The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this world. This is Max with the Fearless Happiness Podcast. And today I finally got my good friend on here, Adam Miller. Uh, he's got an amazing story. Uh, I've been wanting to do this for a while, so we are going to jump in. So, Adam, what I like to do with my guests is have you introduce yourself, who you are, what it is you do, and then we're going to rock and roll. Cool. That sounds great. Uh, my name's Adam Miller. Uh, I'm an automation expert. I work on websites and full stack development for individuals. I just have a great time doing it. It's about the message that people are trying to convey versus what I want. So I'm almost an order tech, taker, glorified order taker. But the reality is, is that when you're trying to make something look great and be functional, I'm the guy for that job. Awesome. Well, everybody, I've known Adam for a little bit now. We've been part of the same uh, network shoot almost two years for me now or just over two years for me uh, and i've watched adam you know at first from afar and then but the thing is everybody like i haven't gotten to go meet him in person and i keep missing these events due to family reasons so it's not that i don't want to be there so but one day i get to give this guy a hug and uh yeah and actually meet him in person but adam uh what i like to do on my podcast is is talk to you about like some of the ch- challenges i don't like to call them problems right because i know we can overcome challenges but i want you to share with the audience like some of the challenges you have faced you know in your life that has gotten you from you know i know your story some crazy times in your life to where you are today and 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 the things you're doing to help people yeah i appreciate that um man where do i start right so uh i'm a product of the 60s um you know, I I was born in 1970, right after Woodstock, right? And uh, life has always been kind of a happy-go-lucky situation for me, right? I'm always happy. I, I like to be in the right places. I like to help people big. You know, I like to be part of the team. I like to do things uh, for purpose. And a lot of, a lot of times... The universe doesn't doesn't like that. It they don't it, it doesn't agree with where you're at. And so, I'll, I'll tell you the story of my life. Um, it was an easy one, man. I lived out in California. 
uh, uh, there was a time where I was living on Detroit Street, which is right off the Sunset Strip. And back in the 70s, it was kind of a different place, right? So mm. my mom worked for Peter Terra, um, Sonny Sherrod Bono, uh, doing, you know, seamstress stuff. And so I was just trailing around with mom and it was just me and her for until I was about uh, four years old where uh, my second brother Dome came into the picture and um, California lifestyle was, Hey, with those opportunities that you get to go to the beach, your mom's a seamstress. I got a loincloth. That's all I got over there. <laughs> and I come home, I'm Sandy. And, and it was just fun. My whole childhood that I can remember. Right. And there was a time where we moved uh, to Las Vegas when I turned eight and it became uh, and it, it kind of reminds me of this journey that I'm on right now, which was, you know, I co- go to Las Vegas. It's a booming town, as they say, you know, the moment I get here, my auntie who uh, she's passed, but she was one of the leasehold owners for Binion's Horseshoe Land for 100 years. Right. So she's like, hey. You're going to the rodeo. You got season tickets. You're this and that. Got a nice little bolo put on me all the time. Cowboy <laughs> hat, all that stuff. Right. So those are the memories that I could that I could put together. Now, when I was around 14, 15 years old, my uncle Al, which was Annie's uh, husband, he would teach me how to scuba dive in his. You know, back then they had 14 foot pools and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So he would teach me how to do that and and take me on these airplanes. He had three or four of them. And so the whole goal and what my mom was told is, hey, bring the kids out. We're going to pay for college and the whole thing. And it just seemed like a gravy situation. Right. Right. Well, um, you know how relationships go and families and so on and so forth. So none of the stuff that we came out to do, it was going to happen either way, but it didn't happen by that type of resource. So for me, um, started playing saxophone in seventh grade. Um, started playing football in the ninth grade. I got hurt in 11th grade. I had to pick up my saxophone again. And my teacher said, Hey man, so how are you going to go to college if you can't play football? I said, well, I don't know. You want to, you tell me, right. <laughs> right. And, um, he gave me this tenor sax and he said, Hey, I need you to start practicing again. And he's a, his name is Felix Vasculia. Great dude. Um, he actually gave me a, a 1920 Selmer Mark six nickel plated tenor saxophone back then. Um, and then about six or seven weeks after he had been training me again, and I had to, I had to work a job at that time, do 18 credit hours as well. And as I trained, he got me into the McDonald's band, which is a highly coveted band where you get two players from each position, um, from each state and, and that's it. And you have to make it. So I didn't make it on tenor, unfortunately, because I wasn't good enough in comparison, but the baritone saxophone guy, um, gave me the window because there had to be two and there wasn't anybody else that was articulate. So I was able to do that. Um, by the time I was 18, I was working full time in the restaurant industry as well as got an opportunity to play, um, you know, in, in some concerts with him. So it was just, I was so thankful, got to do a lot of traveling. Um, and then from there, so this is where it starts to get hard, right? Cause you have to start working. It was, it was funny. I remember this. Um, my girlfriend's father says, Hey, if you don't get your haircut and get a job, you can't date my daughter. Of course, I was already with her for like three years. 
right? And I did, I was with her all the way until uh, my first year of college. So it was a great deal of time, like ninth grade to then, you know, um, it's kind of unheard of, but I got the job and I, and I thought that working was so sexy um, that I just kept doing it. And I just kept showing up. I just kept showing up. And, and eventually it brought me to that place where I was, I was a chef um, for California pizza kitchen and opened a ton of them and was just a traveling guy in my early twenties. Right. Okay. Now, fast forward, um, had my son at 21. So that was kind of a struggle. Had laying down a job, um, keeping that um, full time, 18 credit hours in college. And then to stack it all on top of that was in a band. And so my priorities are just all awry. Like it's like (laughs) I, I look at it similarly to some of the struggle that you go through as an entrepreneur where you've got too many things, irons in the fire, and they're all hitting at once. So it's fantastic, but it is overwhelming if you don't have the right help. <clears throat> so, uh, man, back to where things start to get a, get a little dicey. Um, after my career at California Pizza Kitchen and doing all that, I, I signed up with a company called um, Bertolini's. And they were owned by Quantum Corporation, which at the time was Morton Steakhouse, Pheasant, uh, Mixed Burgers, all kinds of big corporate stuff. So I went over and transitioned over there, still doing pizzas. And then I became the executive chef of that restaurant within a couple um, years. Met my um, second wife and uh, things were good. But it was a dicey relationship too, even though that relationship lasted over 14 years. The whole struggle came within the time where her transitioning because she was uh in front uh front of the house management johnson wales graduate like just killer financially in terms of what she was doing but we'd always always contrast because i felt like i wasn't getting something because i was at work all day and she was at work all night and then we were trying to have kids and all that fun stuff so you know as you know that stuff's a struggle um well especially um I just want to say, I mean, it's got to be, at least from what I know and in talking to you, like being a chef, like you said, that's, that's a, that's not an easy job, right? Because you, I mean, you're, you're there early, you're there late, you got to make sure, I mean, at least it's a lot of work, right? And then, like you said, if your wife, if you're there at work during the day, and then your wife's at work at night, it's like, how did you find that balance to, to see each other and and do things together? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I didn't even talk about my first wife in that situation. The reality was, is that for some reason or another, um, I wasn't giving to the relationship what I needed to, and perhaps vice versa, right? I could always throw a whole bunch of mud if I want to, but it's not It's not what it is. And right. so, during the time where my son was 11 years old, okay, he was born in 94. So, what's that set him? 2001, 2000. Five. So 2005, yeah, his mom passes away. Okay. And it started this struggle right before that. My second wife and her would argue and transition. It was my fault because I'm sitting here going to work and going, oh, yeah, you guys could be cool. Right. And transition my son from timeshare to timeshare. No go, bro. No right. Go. <laughs> so, yeah. 
you know, that's a difficult situation right there. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, I wasn't with Tammy, my first wife, wife at the time. My son's in the mall with us. Me and my and my new wife would I, we'd already been together for some time, and um, he, this lady comes up and says, "Hey, sorry about Tammy." And Tammy's my first wife, and she says to Jeremy, "Hey, I'm sorry about your mom." And I'm like, "What? You know what's going on?" And so come to find out, she had been holding. The fact that she had uh, uh, some sort of treatment that then she continued to smoke and then it spread to everywhere else and she had stage four cancer. Oh, wow. I didn't know about any of it. No idea. But my son, who was crying right there in the mall, um, told the story without having to tell the story because somebody had programmed him not to have a conversation with dad about it. Right. You know, and that's okay. Um, you know, we went past that eventually after Tammy had passed. Um, the following year, my brother, Dome, who was 31 at the time, he passed in 2006 on Christmas Day. And so from that starting point of right there where I was at in 2005, I started to have like 10 years of upside down, you know. And so what 10 years of upside down looked like, it looked like death. It looked like more death. It looked like 2009 was divorce from my second wife, which took a couple of years because I lived in the Bible Belt, okay. moved back to Las Vegas from Charleston. Um, and then I thought everything was done. Like when I came back here in 2011 to help my mom with a hip surgery and my relationship had fallen apart. My relationship, with my two younger kids had fallen apart. Um, you know, it takes two to tango type of thing. But uh, from there, you know, Max, what happened is <clears throat> my capacity was dulled and I didn't feel like I was good enough. Number one. And I, I would go through some things several years later that I didn't know were going to even be there. So, um, I get back to Vegas. I got about 10 grand. Um, and I start my 69 cards company, <laughs> I start doing digital business or regular business cards for 69 bucks for 500 of them. And I'm making about 30 bucks, man. So I was, I was having like $500 months sometimes because I didn't know marketing. I didn't know how to get to into any of those things. And then here we go. Um, I'm trying to do that as well as open my own bar, which had I got approved for gaming and so on and so forth. And this this fast forwards to 2012 uh, November, right when we opened, I have that second company because I just wanted to put my eggs in a couple baskets and see what worked out. 2013 February, my son gets shot 12 times on the strip. So. You know, I look at it like, okay, wow, man, I really just had, I don't give myself any grace, by the way, zero. Right. And I've learned to do that. And even though um, I've learned, I still don't do it. When it really comes down to it, I shit on myself in the mirror. I'm going like, dude, you're not good enough. Like, you're not doing this. This isn't the thing that you should be focusing on. But here you are focusing on it. Um, And I was out, I was out of commission for 
three and a half years. I got up to 391 pounds. I was usually resting at like 225, 230. Um, and my son was in the hospital for 2.8 years. He started at one place where he was in ICU and um, on self-induced coma with the fentanyl. And then um, when he got out of there, he, he woke up like after 60 days out of that self, you know, or medically induced coma. He's, they still found out like, hey, my lung is punctured. I can't stand on my own in, in the breath work stuff. So it was the same um, injury that Tupac had. My son actually was in the same exact ICU room as Tupac. And um, I just remember them saying, hey, like, here's what we did here. Do you want to do this? And they wanted to remove the lung. And I, I what instantly hit me was, no, God's going to take care of everything in my son's body and i don't have to worry about that even though i was worried sick right i can only and, imagine uh, and so it, it was what it was but i didn't feel like i was going to survive that I, I wrote a story on a blog when i started blogging about two three months after that that it was um in the middle of november that year in 2013 that i just didn't want to be on the planet anymore i wanted to kill myself and had it all arranged. Like I was doing some terrible things. Like I made arrangements to hang out with my buddy who I hadn't hung out with in a while. Cause he knew he had a whole bunch of guns. Was just going to handle it. Right. And, and uh, a buddy of mine, Brian Baker to this day, he's a really good friend. He used to be, he used to play ball. Um, he was at Hawaii state. My brother was at UNLV um, and they were working as server assistants and captains at the Berlini's restaurant that I hired. Dude, he called me one day and he goes, hey, man, like, so what are you up to? I said, man, I don't know. I haven't heard from you in a while. What's going on with you? He's like, man, I just felt compel compelled to call you today. And, uh, you know, what are you up to? I said, ah, nothing. I was just playing it off. He's like, nah. He goes, nah, I'm going to come scoop you up and we're going to go do some stuff. Like, I want to, I need some He, I, I don't know what he had. He had some sort of insight. Right. You know, the angels show up. You just don't know how. <laughs> right and you and you man i know that feeling right and then you still wonder something down the road i mean you're glad it happened but you're like man that was weird how that happened right i needed it right at the right time and it showed up right and you know um you know my condolences or whatever you want to call it i mean to have a child you know get shot 12 times i can't even imagine um a little bit because i know my son had a stroke at 30 and i know what that felt like watching him on life support you know what i mean but man it's like, just it's the same man whatever the action was on the front and the back are insignificant it's what right. you're literally going through it feels the same no matter if it's a broken leg man <laughs> absolutely know? yeah absolutely so um and yeah so that was just some stuff that i just didn't know I grew up without a father, so I, you know, I had my stepdad there, but he was kind of like an army ranger, kind of disconnected from Nam, and um, I didn't know how to fix it. And I'm a, like, <laughs> you look at yourself and you're like, yeah, I can fucking totally fix that, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you're not, but it's not true. It's not true when you're when you have some sort of paralytic or some feeling that feels like, oh man, I haven't been here before. I don't know how to fix it. Can I think through it? Yeah. But in this case, it took me several years to right. think through it, you know, and at that time where I was opening my bar, I was also staging for uh, 
a big job at uh, the Red Rock Casino, which would have been me being able to create my own cooking style called Cray Spear. It's, it's similar to like the Chinese version of Jidori, um, Earth and Sky type products, okay. and uh, and get this job at this very significant, you know, $180 million restaurant. Right. And it would have been a a great, you know, great salary. Well, I had that job for 28 days and I still was at the final where I had a couple candidates. But then I had to go when this happened to Frank Fertitta, who at that time owned the UFC. And he's 70 some odd years old. And I'm like, Frank, man, I said, I know I'm supposed to cook for you next week to finalize like the position at your home. I just can't do that. Um. And it was a tough decision to make, but I just, it felt like uh, for a while and it still does, but I want to get back into it. It felt like cooking took everything for me, every ounce of what I had. So I had to figure out how to come back for that. And I didn't really have a circle of influence people that were there except for a couple friends and my and my brothers but they were out doing their thing you know they're in california right. doing their stuff. and uh so i've always had this policy because like i'm the oldest in my family so naturally i'm watching my three brothers when they're younger if it's gonna be it's up to me <laughs> that shit does not work anymore right like where i'm at right now that stuff doesn't work max it's uh it's something you tell yourself to get to tomorrow. Right. right? Yeah. And I get it. So, you know, those old things that used to work stopped working at one point. So I had to get a new set of tools, you know, um, and <clears throat> here I am, I'm in a different position now. Um, those still, things still touch my heart, but the reality is, is that after all this stuff happened um, and we're looking at like 2000, 17 now um my son finally gets out of shriners and that's another story in itself um just put it this way i used to donate 100 bucks to shriners for every prom i was at well the same three guys were there and they called me they go hey man like uh i know your son's out of the cusp he goes but we're gonna take him anyway and we were done with all that shit man they said that one one point six million dollars, like we we took care of it. We took care of it. It wasn't my responsibility because he was already eighteen. But uh, the way God shows up, it's like, oh man, I yeah. thank you. I didn't know what I was going to do, you know. Right. And so, just reaffirming my belief in the Lord at that time, and with a little bit of controversy tied to it, and a, a little bit of unknown that turned into a lot of unknown for me, um, turned me around. I said, one day I said, Hey, I'm just too fat. I don't feel like it. I don't feel good. I don't feel like doing this. I got to get my ass up and do something different. And so I reapplied myself in the business that I was in and I got lucky. I got a job for the Rio hotel helping on the, on the graphic design that put on the side, you know, 300 feet tall on the, on the building there. And that put my name on the, on the on the roster here in las vegas and then i started getting all these other job requests and openings of hotels and stuff and my life changed and imagine spending twenty thousand hours mastering a chef and then saying well 
can't do that anymore. And so at night when I get home, I wouldn't be tired. So I'd be always tinkering around on my computer. And, you know, 25 years ago, I started in mediocre graphic design. And now it's the love of my life again in terms of being able to go and go to a place, handle the job that I'm already doing. Doesn't matter where I'm at. I don't have to worry about where I am as long as there's good internet. As we saw this morning, like it's not always great internet. <laughs> right. So that was my trials, my tribulations, the strength um, that got me back to the place of thinking, hey, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And then I just pulled the Band-Aid off, did the work. Um, I, may, I may do a fitness program when I get strong enough to do it. Here's what it is. <laughs> Don't eat a whole bunch of food because you don't have a bunch of money. Right. And if you're terrible at free throws, go to the basketball court and do that for three hours each day, and you're going to burn 3,500 calories. Low impact <laughs> the whole day. Next thing you know, I'm back down to 240. Now, I haven't gone below 240, uh, and I'm cool with the weight that I'm at at the moment, even though um, I would like to get all ripped up like my bros. Now, I'm just not there yet, man. And now the cool thing about where my life's at now is when I met the people in Apex and Ryan Snuman just said, hey, man, work with these people. That was all it took. And then I started to dial in my avatar of who I wanted to work with. So the people that I work with outside of Apex, if they don't really fit my mold, then I say, hey, look, I know a guy that can work for half my price and and get that thing handled for you. You know, right. So it's not all, it's not all bad things. I think we all go through these struggles. Um, this week's struggle is finishing up, packing up in, in Vegas and getting the rest of the stuff down Sanford and son style. If I have to, <laughs> right. Uh, I was just going to say, I always say you remember Sanford and son, right? <laughs> I've tied some boxes on top of my car, my wife's Lexus and my brother's like, you know, it's not going to work. Right. And of course, a lot of my wife's stuff. So I got to now I got to go today uh, and, you know, put that stuff at uh, UPS or whatever and just have a ground shipping. Down there. But, <laughs> uh, I'm just grateful every day that I have the the people that that love what I do in terms of how meticulous I like to do it. Um, and I'm. As soon as I got back on that trip, when my son got out of the hospital, I didn't tell you I was on the seven month trip in my suburban where I just drove around and I stayed at a uh, a hotel the first night, the first two nights that I went out. And then the rest, I just stayed in my tent for that seven months or in my suburban if it was too cold. And um, when I came back to Las Vegas, um, the Lord gave me a wife. <laughs> so. It's crazy how things work out when you just have that faith, right? And yeah. You know, first and foremost, thank you for sharing that, right? Because I can see it still touches your heart. And right, like you said, being a dad too, I, I get it. Like, I'm supposed to be able to fix this, but here I sit, right? Like, I can't fix this. What do I do? Um, right. And I always believe in divine intervention, right? God's gonna direct you yeah. to where you need to be, and he's gonna put the right people in your life at the right moment. You know what I mean? And yeah. then he's gonna take out the ones that don't belong there, right? Um, I pray for that. I pray for two things for the past five years: discernment among individuals, men and women, mm. 
And Lord, if this shit's not right for me, and I have an interesting dialogue, I'm like, please take it. Please take it and take it today. Like, just get it out of here. Because if I don't know what I'm doing and I'm saying, hey, Lord, look, so this big problem that I have that used to be a small problem, I'm going to hand it to you. And you just drop it back when it's all perfect and good. (laughs) And that's been my relationship now because now I just, and it, it brought me a level of trust where my willpower used to be the thing. And then because I grew up without a father, it was hard to trust the father hundred percent. And when I finally just said, okay, man, this is your problem. Like, this is your deal. Then things started to change rapidly. Right. Well, and that's why I think we connected. We have similar stories, right? Growing up without a dad. And so like for me, when I got sober, Adam, right? They said, you know, my my sponsor or my mentors would say, well, you need to believe in a higher power, right? And I always knew they were talking about God, right? And I'm like, I ain't doing that. Like, I can't even trust a man. You know what I mean? Like, if you know, I'm not doing that. And then, but I learned over time is when I met guys like you that were, doing the work, right? And and showing me not through your words, but how you carry yourself and how you, uh, you know, you, you do it through your actions. I'm like, okay, maybe there's something to this, right? And my prayers are saying, you know, I tell God, look, God, bless me with what I need and save me from what I want. Because usually what I want gets me in trouble. So I just tell him, give me what I need. And we'll yeah. be cool. You know what I mean? I'll do your work. I'll, I'll be the best. I can be for you, God, uh, and just take care of me and my family. Um, so, yeah, thank you for for sharing that story with us in my audience. Yeah. And um, and I knew that's why we've connected. And you know, we don't always talk a lot lately because you're in the middle of a move. And but you're all you have Ooh. been one of those guys I've always looked up to, right? In in our Apex family, and and, and you know, because I know you mean what you say, and you say what you mean, and. Like if I needed you, I could call you up or message you. Hey, you got a minute, Adam, right? And you'd be right there. Um, so there's a couple of questions I like to ask before we part ways, right? Uh, yeah. As you know, I wrote a book called Fearless Happiness, right? So I always ask my guests, right? Like I start with fearless. So Adam, what does fearless mean to you? And what does that look like? And how does that show up in your life now? Man, fearless just looks like, making a decision one one thing at a time and not going back to mourn whether it was a good decision or not just be able to make the decision and whether it's it's addressed in failure or whether it has success i just have to look at it and go okay hey well i just needed to tweak it a little bit more in order to to have that but the first and foremost thing is if if i'm not happy as a person then fearless kind of subsides, right? right? It's interesting the way you have that the, the, the wordplay because like, I feel like I'm a happy person 100% of the time, but then there's times where I feel like I'm having, I'm, it's like the my internal parent is, is chastising me or whatnot. And so I have to go there. Like I went to recovery for X amount of time um, during the COVID scenario. And I learned a lot about myself. And when I got to what you call, um, stage four, I froze up for a little bit. Right. Right. So, and then I got past that thing. But what I found was if I was happy and I just went with the things that make me happy and try to chop out the rest of it, some of it's mundane. It has to be there. Then I have, I have zero fear, zero fear of, what tomorrow looks like. I make my own way. 
the one thing I realized when I was in bed and I wasn't making or earning any money for three years, I was living basically on what I had. Um, I didn't get any skinnier and I didn't die. And there was months where I made 500 bucks. So that's where I knew, hey, I just got to be happy. I just got to be focused. And once I get to that place, then my fear levels are dropped. It's like cortisol. Like, you know, right. boom, it's gone. Yeah. You know, yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, that was, that's that one. Um, I'm just lo- in love with the potential for the future, man. There he is. And that, and I'm the same way by, and the way I stay that way, right, is by doing my best and trying to be as fearless as possible in the moment, right? And like you said, you said it perfectly, just doing the work and, right? So my second question for you is happiness. And you see, I put a why there, right? And I did that for a reason. Yeah. So what is happiness, knowing I put the why there, what does that mean to you? What does that, and what does that look like for you today? Um, I, I like the way you did it. Happiness there says happy you to me. That's what it says to me. It says happy you. Um, and one thing I've always thought of, and I've probably heard it a thousand times is, you know, if you can't put yourself, your own happy on, you can't put the happiness mask on anybody else. Right. Like it, it reminds me of Elf where they're doing whatever they're doing and he's singing, you know, um, what song was that? He's singing something. He's ta- just talking about happy. And 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 he. I can't be that way. There was a time where I couldn't be that way if I didn't talk myself into it. But now it's just a, a course, right? So happy changes everything. When your life's happy, when your wife's happy, when things are going good with your clients and all that fun stuff, <laughs> right. it's, just, it's, it's too much happiness, right? Right. But one thing that I, that I found that I have to clear up is um, I'm going to get a shirt, DTM, doing too much. I'm going to trim <laughs> that back a little bit because what I wasn't doing with the with the you there is i wasn't taking time for myself and it, when and what i found for me is i can go six months and everything's fantastic and my shoulders are broad and i say oh yeah stack that shit on come on keep going you can right. you can do it and then i lose my shit for a day or two and it's brings me down to sub-zero well okay that's it i identified something i identify hey when i'm doing too much and i'm not taking a Saturday and a Sunday for myself, then it's over. And so what the reality is, is I don't work on the weekends anymore. People out, Hey man, can you do this? Yeah, I sure can. I leave it open-ended. I contact them on Monday and go, Hey, so what do we got to do? You know? Perfect. I like that. Because those are the only things that if you're that well balanced is the only thing that's going to keep me out of the struggle. Right. Know? Absolutely. So, awesome. Yeah. Man, I love it. Um, this has been amazing. So uh, again, thank you for showing up and and yeah. doing the show with me, Adam. Um, but what I like to ask you, um, or and tell the audience, if the audience wants to work with you, right? Uh, yeah. How will they get a hold of you, Adam? How how can they reach out to you? Well, I'm I'm splashed all over social media. I've got my uh, business, Your Kingdom Coach, and um. What that is, is is everybody has a kingdom in which they live in, whether it's their higher power or it's the Lord or whatnot. It dictates what they're doing based on, hey, their trade, their family dynamic, all those things. 
I'm saying, hey, let's refine a process that can take you to six and seven figures. It's not difficult. It's just a process, right? So most people don't have their client avatar lined out, and most people don't have that client journey lined out. Um, that's my favorite thing to do is to overthink a process and break it so that we can make it work, you know? Um that that's how that's how I go down. And I, I really, I really love that. It wasn't always the easiest thing for me to consider, but I just realized just like the plate, it's a similar thing. If my scallops aren't in the right place and you know the foie gras right. and all that stuff, like then it 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 visually seems off to me. Right. My new journey right now, you know, I just uh, got a finished a publicly traded company called Pedro's List decentralizing a coin um, in Mexico, my favorite thing is to break something and then fix it. So I might not be the guy for most of the people that are just looking for a quick fix, but I am definitely the guy who wants to have an, who wants to help people have unbroken, sexy systems that they can put in place and it'll help them run their business. I love it. Sexy systems. Can't go wrong with that. Right. Audience. Uh, yeah. that's <laughs> I'm on I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I have my uh 69 cards on Instagram. Um you know, I'm just I'm working with new business owners. I did a lot of partnerships this year, had to pause on some of them, but the ones that I really have right now, you know, executive VA, big marketing, um and my new um smoke shop Bellatora, which is going to be one of 700 plus smoke shops. Um, those three areas is really where I'm focused and, and trying to help people do the most things. So sweet. I love it. And you know, I wish you the most, the utmost success, but before we leave, Adam, I need you to give my audience a piece of advice that will help them grow as human beings and and become better people. What's that one piece of advice you would give them? Mm. So I could say one day at a time, right? Because that really just does work. Um, But what I'm going to say is this, is think about where you want to be and how you want your business to run, how you want your family to be and all that dynamic. I want you to think about that, where you want it in five years from now. I'm not saying we're forecasting a plan for those entire five years, but my advice is to make sure that you've written down all those things. And you know exactly where you want to go because the reality is if you don't massage that and put those things into place, there's no possible way you can get there. Right. So if you have somebody who's at the helm of a ship and they just turn the thing on and they don't take control, <laughs> you're, you're shipwrecked. Right. So absolutely. why would we want to do that to ourselves? We don't. And, right. and the past year for me, it's just been that journey where i'm i'm putting everything in place and it, it takes a while yeah you have to have your plan a b c d e in the meantime until your your dreams come true so i couldn't agree more well thank you adam for being here yeah i had a great time um you heard it audience right have a plan and i've been telling this to my audience for a long time whatever that success looks like you got to have a plan right because you can't you're not just going to wake up one morning and go oh i'm there right? It doesn't work that way. So thank you for sharing that with my, go ahead. I would implore people that had kids, right? I can't speak to every audience, but the one that I have is the kids, right? Right. If you look back and figure out how you handled situation without aggression, 
that got a happy medium that got you to a place where you have a cohesive family due to the conversations you had with your kids. Yeah. That's the same shit you have to do in business to have success. Same Absolutely. as that. You hear so. that? I love it. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. being here, my friend. No um, yeah. If you, anybody, your audience out there, if you got anything out of this, if it made you laugh, smile, think, please leave a review. And until next time, I will see you guys later. You've been listening to Fearless Happiness. The numbers on addiction are absolutely stunning. Max lived in addiction for years and during that time made some terrible choices, losing his family, friends, and career. But he turned his life around. And now, Max works as a substance abuse counselor helping people in their recovery. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at maxnaist.com. Till next time, keep the fight, and we'll see you soon. Yeah. <laughs>